So restoring rhythms. Last week we talked about the fact that we live in a broken world. We once were in an ideal setting, the Garden of Eden. Uh, we, were, we were in... Uh, in worship and reverence of God, we were in community with one another and the earth provided all that Adam and Eve needed. And then one day, Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to be as smart as God, that they wanted to, wanted to think and know everything that God knew, and then they were disobedient to him. They ate from that tree that God told them not to eat from. And yes, God gives us a choice because we're not robots, we're his children. And so it, it makes sense that just like us, Adam and Eve needed a choice, that they wanted to be obedient to God. And in their disobedience, they were led out of the garden, out into the real world, because now, uh, as uh, it's recorded in Genesis 3, now they know both good and evil. Good and evil. Now, good and evil, it impacts not only Adam and Eve, but it impacts all of us. We live in a world that is impacted by good and evil. And as I set us up for where we're going today, notice that they were, so to speak, in heaven in a place that was all good. And then they were led out to a place that now has bad evil. And the Bible's very clear. It, it has an impact on our everyday life, and it has an impact on everyday life. We now find ourselves daily in the battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, the evil one. And one of the things that the evil one is very good at is being deceptive. He was deceptive in the garden, and he's deceptive in our world each and every day. Now let's start with the foundation of good and evil. If you take good and evil to their logical ends, you end up with heaven and hell. Heaven being the place that is all good, and hell is the place that's all bad, all evil. Now it makes sense that we were once in the Garden of Eden, we were already in a heavenly, all good uh, environment and when we were put out into the real world, now our trajectory eternally has changed. God's design was that we would be in heaven, that we would remain in the Garden of Eden. But now we're on an evil trajectory. We're headed to a different place, not heaven. So now three things. So the Bible's very clear that there is a heaven and a hell. Everybody wants to believe in the heaven and they want to, oh, discount hell. And it's amazing how we're deceived in, into believing that, that somehow in this good and evil world that there's only one result and that's heaven. And that just doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't uh, collate with what God has said in Genesis 3. 
And so there definitely is a heaven at Matthew 25. That's where uh, the sheep go on the right hand and the goats go on the left hand. The sheep go to heaven and the goats go to hell. Notice there are no llamas. There are no llamas. There are people headed eternally to heaven and there are people who are headed eternally to hell. Now, I'll choose heaven. It's the place you want to go. Right? You're in the, the, the full presence and glory of God. Uh, you're, uh, you're in a place of, of immortality and to be immortal you need a, a different body and I'm hoping for the one when I was younger, not this old body. And we're in a place where now all of our needs are met and therefore there's no longer any pain or suffering, no more crying. As we read what the Bible has to say, it's really all about being in the presence of God and His glory. And we can imagine that, can't we? Just take all the good that you experience and make that everything you experience. And that's heavenly. And we know that, that it's heavenly. We yearn for that heavenly state because in the end, I think we as human beings prefer good and truth and beauty and God's glory. There is a hell. The Bible speaks very clearly of it. It is a, a place of emotional and relational torture, torment. It is a, a, a place of physical torture. We, we, we don't just get to imagine something, we actually experience that. And then finally, because it's all evil, it, it's a spiritual problem as well. All of that is torment and torture. It's called the lake of fire. It's the, it's the dark place. It's the pit. And it's interesting that the Bible never talks about hell in a positive vein, and it never talks about heaven in a negative vein. Heaven's always the good and the, the, the true, that which is uh, beautiful, righteous, and heaven is not. A third thing to realize in the deception of how we live is there are only two eternal destinations. We're, everybody believes in double predestination that believes in the Bible. We all do why? Because there's only two distinct options Eternal options, heaven and hell. And who decides whether we go to heaven or hell? God does. Jesus does. In John 14, Jesus makes it very clear. He, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And notice the rest of that. No one comes unto the Father except by 
me. Is that an exclusive statement? It sure is. Why is, why is that not a, a misspoken word? Because Jesus is the one and only. He's the only one that was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He's the only one that died and resurrected. He's the only one that sits at the right hand of the Father. And so he is the one that decides, yes, God gets to make the rules. And I think two of the most deceptive things that, that I hear is, number one, well, it's all about my goodness. You know, I'm a good person. Well, at least I try to be a good person. Listen longer. Well, I'm, I'm good some of the time. And we realize that the, the idea that uh, the idea that somehow we are good enough to be around a holy God is to misunderstand what it means that God is holy. It's really to misunderstand the good and evil world that we live in. It's affected us. It's impacted us. And so we shouldn't be deceived that somehow there's a third or fourth place that we might go to. No, there are sheeps and goats. There are the, there's the right hand and the left hand. There's heaven and, and then there's hell. And God is deciding based on our relationship with Jesus Christ whether we're going to heaven or we're going to hell. Now some people say, well, that's just too simple. Well, I, I don't think it's simple. It might, uh, it, it's for sure not simplistic in its simple nature. What I think is awesome about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life is everybody can hear that and everybody can respond to that. You, you don't have to have a, a doctorate in theology to be able to understand what the Bible's saying. To understand really what, what is the simple and profound truth of what the Bible says when it looks at heaven and hell. Don't be deceived that you're good enough. You're really not that good. Right? I'm paid to be good and you're good for nothing. Come on, we're talking about hell. I got to get a little laugh out of you, at least if it, even if it's only a nervous laugh. Jesus is the one that decides. And we, we should not fool ourselves about our goodness, especially as we understand uh, the holiness of, of God. And yes, some have, have sinned worse than other people. But that's only ethical, that's not theological, that's not biblical. Sin, sin. And we're all sinners, we're, we all participate in evil. The other thing is to think somehow we get to judge ourselves. Now I know how I am in this world. I judge you far more critically than I judge myself. Anybody else like me? Yeah, yeah. And part of that is I want to think I'm better and they're worse. And see, they, they go together. Because we live in a fallen world, I'm not even good at judging my own goodness. 
And so how could I be the judge? I, I haven't done anything to be the judge of all humanity, but Jesus has. But Jesus has. And so he is the one. Heaven, hell, God is the one that makes the decision. There are only two eternal destinations. Whether you know it or not, you good Baptists, you believe in double predestination. Let's look at the scriptures. John 16 that Mary Beth just read. Now we've got the, the backdrop that we need to understand this passage all the way. Because if I, Jesus says, if I don't go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's, God's righteousness. There you go. Of our own falling short, our mistakes, our failures, our sin, our lack of goodness, our participation in the evil. The Holy Spirit's the one that tells us and convicts us of that. Now, I was raised in a pretty convicting tradition. Man, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I knew I was wrong all the time and I needed something that I didn't have to look very far for to uh, go in the box uh, with the priest on Saturday so I could have communion on Sunday. It's like, well, which of the many things am I going to tell him? Well, I'm not telling him that. I'll tell him this over. I'll get less our fathers and Hail Marys if I tell him a little thing instead of a big thing. Most of us are very aware but it's not just an awareness out there. It's a conviction that the Holy Spirit brings about our own need for God and the lack of our ability to be the God that we need. It convicts the world of sin and it reminds us that God is holy and righteous. That He is far above and beyond us. The world's great sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I think one of the greatest answers in all of life that we have to get our arms around is what do we really believe about Jesus? Christmas sets up everything for us to talk about Jesus. Easter sets it up so we can talk about Jesus. And it's interesting, people are, well, interested in it. The question is, are they engaged in it? Is it just an intellectual conversation that they carry on with someone else? And it's not some erudite philosophy, it's, it's life. It's real life. And God wants us to understand that. He wants us to understand that eternity is in the balance. The world's great sin is that they refuse to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. So that Jesus is predicting his exit from the planet, his ascension. Judgment will come 
because the ruler of this world, Satan, now I want you to understand the tense of the verse, has already been judged. Ooh, how reformed of me to say that. Well, I thought Jesus wasn't, uh, Satan wasn't going to be defeated until Jesus comes back again. He, he will be completely defeated in that moment, but he's already been defeated. Remember what Jesus said that I quoted last week? He's overcome everything in this world. He's already overcome it. He's already put Satan in his place, evil in its place. The problem is, is that we're not cooperating with him. And like the, the fire, uh, as you're burning uh, all of your vegetation, you, you fan it a little bit, and what happens? It gets hotter, it gets bigger. Well, that's what we're doing. When we don't live in a righteous manner, we are fanning the flames of evil. Why are we doing that? I'm not, I'm not sure why other than it is our nature. God has already overcome the things of this world. He's overcome evil. And if we would just allow him to, to convict us of that and show us the right way to go, this world would be a different place. It's never going to be perfect. But it would be a, a different place. Rake does a good job in the curriculum of pointing out the deception that somehow we think we're God that somehow we're good enough to ascend to God all on our own and that somehow we are some kind of righteous judge of ourselves and we all know that we're not that good and we're not even that good at evaluating ourselves. A third big deception is, is that we turn other things or other people into God's. That's called idolatry and it's interesting I think we all practice that at least from time to time. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. Well, we put things before God, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. We make certain things into a God, certain people into a God, even certain ways of thinking or ideology we turn into a God. And it's true, we have a yearning to worship God and, and, and we're yearning to connect with Him. And that's a natural part of who we are as human beings. If we don't believe in the, in the God of the Bible, we'll make something into a God. We'll make something into a God. Let's see if any of these are gods that you might worship. Second John 2. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. 
For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures. Have you made physical pleasures your God? Sexual temptation, has, have you turned that into a God or, or have you let uh, that rule your life? Number two, a craving for everything you see. That's really um, coveting something that someone else has. And, and it's a little bit like looking at a, another person who's beautiful. The first look is always pretty holy. It's that second look. Well, I think it's that same thing in, in what we see that other people have. Well, I'd really like to have that. Well, great. But see, then, then when we covet, we, we want it, but we don't want to do what it takes to really get that for our life. And that craving goes so far as we just steal it from somebody else. We see too much violence. We see too many things that other people have that, that we're really jealous of. Envy. We envy them. And then there's no one... On, uh, around here in Squim that's done the last one. Have pride of our achievements and our possessions. Wow. Have we ever done that? And here I'm not talking about good pride. The truth is, evil is a lie, and a lie many times is a twisted truth. And it's just like your degrees or your titles or what you've been able to purchase with the money that you've made. Things are to be enjoyed. People are not a thing. Relationships are to be enjoyed. And, and yet we are always running up the flagpole what we've achieved or what we possess. And it's true to be, it's harder to be a humble person, to be a gracious person, to be a giving person. No, we, we turn the, the stuff that we were able to accomplish, the titles that we had or have, the things that we get to buy with the money that we've made, we, we, we make those into gods. The world is fading away. This world is. Along with everything that people crave, there won't be these kinds of negative cravings when we get to heaven. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, it, it gets down to pleasing God more than we want to please ourselves or them. And again, we're not all that good at it, are we? No, we're not. See, there's a righteousness in God, and, and, and then there's evil. There's very little middle ground there. You either are or you aren't. 
You either have the Holy Spirit that resided outside of you, that convicted you of your sin, and then he entered you, and you either have him on the inside or you don't. The great thing is, is I don't have to be the judge. You don't have to be the judge. Jesus is the one that gets to be the judge. A fourth deception is that perhaps we've become too complacent. Jesus said to the lukewarm church of Laodicea, you say, I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked spiritually. Oh, you may have a lot of earthly things. The issue is, is do you have heavenly things? See, we're just fooling ourselves if we think because we can buy something good that we're good. That because we don't do these really terrible things that somehow we're, we're not at least a little evil, a little bad. We're only fooling ourselves. And the cover will be turned back on that reality when we die and go to heaven and we stand before Jesus and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? First, he'll ask you what the password is. What's the password? It's really simple. Jesus. It really is all about Jesus, isn't it? The counter to being complacent is to be actively obedient. Romans 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to our cravings. You will die, but if, if by the Spirit you're, you put to death this misdeed of your body, you will live. What a, what a great comment. We're, we're dying all the time, and, and we have to put that aside. We have to die to ourselves to have Jesus be the leader of our life. We can't be number one and, and have Jesus be number one at the same time. It doesn't work. And so if we're willing to put to death our old sinful nature, remember what we've talked about a few months ago, we have to put off that old nature and put on the new nature. And it's hard work. Why? We live in a world that's both good and evil. But obedience is really the best way to live. Don't be deceived. There is a heaven and there is a hell. It is the logical consequences of what we read in the truth of the Bible. And it is convenient to believe in the annihilation theory that when, when you, this life's over, it's over. Yet inside of us, I think we know that that's not true. We know that 
that there is an eternal element of who we are. And that yearns to connect with the real God who created us in His image. And it creates in us a a desire of obedience and faith that draws us to our eternal home. Yeah, there is deception out there. Just don't be deceived by it. Let's pray. Lord, it's awesome you tell us the truth. And you do that so well that that some just make up ideas to nullify the truth of what you say. And Lord, we, we can experience that push and pull of good and evil in our world and in us. And we do know that eternity is in the balance. That we strive to live faithfully obedient to you in this world and because your son Jesus is is the savior of our life the leader of our life we know that we belong to your adoptive family and we know that we're going to spend eternity with you and we do know that heaven is all good and we do know that uh, that hell is torture, torment, bad. Lord, thank you for making it clear to us through your Holy Spirit that there is a choice that needs to be made and we should not be deceived about that. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.